Well, good morning. Aloha, everyone. So great to have you this beautiful Sunday morning. We're pumped, and we are just so stoked. For those of you who are also joining us online all across the mainland, from Alaska to the East Coast, we want to say welcome. We love you guys. We're praying for you. And for those of you who are here this morning, I just want to say you're in the front end of a brand new series called God Never Said That. And we're going to be taking a look at some of the myths of things that believers or even non-believers believe that God says in his Bible, uh, in the Bible, in God's word. And uh, we're going to be taking a look at some of these myths. For example, next week we're going to be taking a look at how God never said that he will give you, will not give you more than you can handle. How many of you heard that? God will never give you more than you can handle. We're going to take a look at that myth and talk about how sometimes in life you can really struggle sometimes and be tried and tested and put in the furnace way more above your ability to handle that, amen? Some of you in here are like, oh, you're preaching to me, Pastor Stephen. Uh, the third week, we're going to talk about how God never said that. It doesn't matter what you do as long as no one gets hurt. And we, you know, we hear the sayings about what happens in Vegas, stays in Vegas, things like that. And, and realize, we think that as long as nobody knows about it or nobody gets hurt, then it's okay. And it doesn't matter, but it matters to God. But God never said that. Uh, the final week, we're going to be talking about how God never said that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. Many people who are even non-Christ followers or are unchurched or even some church people will believe that, hey, at the end of my life, if God puts all the good I've done and the bad I've done in a balance, that as long as the good is outweighing the bad, then, and we're sincere, God, that's all that matters to him. And we, that's a myth, and we're going to take a look at that. But today, we want to take, take a look about how God said, he never said, that he wants you to be happy. God never said he wants you to be happy. That might be disturbing for some of you because you're like, whoa, 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 time out, Pastor Stephen. Wait a minute, you're saying to me that God never said that he wants me to be happy? Well, you know, I mean, isn't there Bible verses out there, Pastor Stephen, that said that God wants me to be happy? Come on, isn't there at least one? Well, I, I think I could find at least one. Uh, Psalms chapter 97, verse 12, it says, may all who are godly be happy, be happy. There you go. Doesn't that make you feel happy? Makes you kind of want to. Think crazy what I'm about to say. Come on now. Don't leave me hanging. Who's gonna dance with me? Take a break. Woo! Oh yeah. Oh. Hot air balloon that could go to space. Okay. With All right. Well, like I don't okay. Care, All right. Okay. Well, it does not make you feel happy. So how many of you are half tempted to jump in with us and dance around a little bit? Okay, why don't you? We should, we should do it again at the end of service. Um, but you know, hey, it's great to be happy, right? And wouldn't God, who's an all-loving and merciful God, want us to be happy? Um, and I just want to tell you this morning that when we believe, above all else, that God wants us to be happy there may be a mismatch with the theology. So we're gonna take a look at some of the theology about happiness. Um, the first thing that I realize when I'm taking a look at happiness is we think sometimes that whatever makes me happy must be right. Oh, thank you, God, I feel so happy. God gave this to me so it must be right, it must be good. 
But on the other hand, whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. It's bad. It's not God. You know, Sheryl Crow once said, she, in a song, she said, if it makes you happy, then it can't be that bad. But if it makes you happy, then why the heck are you so sad? Well, there's an actual, there's another word there. Uh, but yeah, why are you sad? If it, if it really makes you happy, so it's kind of this contradiction, this, this uh, irony. And here's the thing, is that we believe that discomfort, delay, risk, suffering, inconveniences and obstacles can't be God's will. There's no way that this can be from God. I'm sitting here at this stoplight for 10 minutes. This is the devil. There's no way this could be from God, okay? I am not happy, therefore it can't be from God. See, without knowing it, if we're not careful, guys, we begin to worship the false gods of comfort of money, of pleasure, and things. And many believers find themselves in this category because we follow and we serve a God because we believe he is to serve us. We follow God because we treat him almost like a cosmic Coke machine where we put some change in it, and we expect to get something in return. Oh, Lord, well, 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 I go to church on Sundays. I put some change. I give my tithe on Sunday. I put some change. I, I, uh, I go to grow groups on the week, midweek. I uh, put some change in And then now that I pray for something, God, you better answer my prayer the way I want it to be answered because you're really this cosmic Coke machine who's to deliver me happiness at a moment's notice. But God is not a cosmic Coke machine. Now, I want to I say something. This, is something. this is why this is a bad theology. Because if God wants me happy, and I'm not happy, then there's something wrong with God. We see the flaw in, in that way of thinking. If I'm not happy, and God wants me happy, then where is God? Where is he? You see, I, I meet a lot of people who they say, you know, Pastor Stephen, I've tried religion. I've tried the church. I've tried Jesus in my marriage. I tried the counseling. I tried everything that I can. But I'm not happy. It didn't work. God failed me. God didn't fail you. Life is full of trials and storms, moments of weakness and sadness. You see, your happiness isn't the highest priority to God. It just is not. It, on the scale of things that are important to him, your happiness comes second to other things. Now, I want to tell you that God does delight in your happiness. He does. He, he gets joy out of seeing us happy. Just like when I listen to my little girls uh, laugh, for example, and they're so happy. And, and, and this is what I do every night when I 
we, uh, we go upstairs every night and we pray, we read a Bible story, and we sing them songs. But on the way up, before I get up there, they go and hide. And when they hide, they hide in the closets or they hide in the, uh, under the bed. And I'm going to get you. Here comes daddy. Okay. And they're, and they're supposed to be quiet. But what I love doing is I love rocking up to the door and intentionally slamming the door against my head and my, my leg. And so it doesn't really hurt, but my leg. And so it sounds like I bump my head on the door really hard. And Alela just starts busting out with a belly laugh. She thinks that is so funny when daddy gets a boo-boo, when he hurts himself. She's just laughing. And I love hearing my girls laugh. I love hearing the joy. I love seeing their happiness in their hearts. And the same way, God delights in seeing you happy. Don't get it twisted. He likes seeing you happy, but there is a priority to what's more important is loving God more important than getting happiness from Him? You see, God doesn't want you to pursue happiness. He wants you to pursue Him. Not pursuing it for our own happiness, but for who He is. Because He promises us. You seek first me and my kingdom, then every, everything else will line up. It'll follow through. And that's where I got the main idea. If you could write this down this morning, um, it's actually from Sarah McLaughlin. I'm not really a big fan but, of the music anyway, but uh, she said something that was pretty profound. She said, happiness is like a cloud. If you stare at it long enough, it evaporates. Meaning if you pursue life and the pursuit of happiness as the priority, if you are just looking to be happy, you will be sorely disappointed in your life because you're looking to things, looking to people, looking to uh, uh, beauty or whatever it is, food for happiness, but it's evaporating. It's like Solomon said, it's like chasing after the wind. It's meaningless because you're chasing the afterglow of God's presence in your life, and it's like chasing a shadow We're going to talk about happiness and what God really says and what he never said about happiness. But before we do that, we're going to just pray. If you could all bow your heads, close your eyes, we're going to invite God's presence. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for how we are just starting this new series and the myths, the things that we may believe that are incorrect and how we could grow. Lord, I pray you would shape hearts this morning, that you would soften hearts so where we can receive what you have for us this morning. Lord, speak through me, um, and, and maybe somebody get challenged or grow in some way in a marriage or a relationship, or just maybe they're discouraged this morning, and this message will help them understand what you have to say about happiness uh, Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that we can do nothing aside from your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you would rest on us, that you would speak to our, our hearts, and we pray this in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, amen, amen. So here's the first thing that we realize about God and happiness. God doesn't want you happy. Write this down. God doesn't want you happy when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. Wrong or unwise. Sinful or stupid. You can plug that in as well. Wrong or unwise, sinful or stupid. Uh, you, you see it all over. Examples of people who are pursuing happiness 
at, at the expense of stupidity. For example, there's a movie called Hangover. Uh, there's a, a bachelor party gone awry where these young men are looking for happiness, you know, because it's their last chance to experience happiness before the drudgery and the dreariness of marriage. So they had to get all their happy feelings out before the wedding. And guess what happens, right? Waking up with tigers in, in their, their hotel room and ta- Mike Tyson tattoos on their face. Um, and, it's, and it's stupid. It, yeah. uh, let me give an example. Growing up, we, oh, as children, uh, growing up on a farm in Indiana, we were like hound dogs for joy and happiness. And we found it at the thrills of swinging from trees and jumping off barns and climbing on beams. I, I tell you what, we used to swing through our, the barns that were on our property like Tarzan uh, or like a monkey just swinging from rope. I mean, there's a million ways we could have died doing these things, but it was so fun. I mean, we would climb up on top of beams that were 30 feet high and they were this wide and we would be like doing this, walking across it in the barn. And, you know, who knows what would have happened if we lost our balance. I would climb to the top of the barns and just sit at the peak of like, a really sharp pointed barn. I mean, this is a 50, 70 feet up. And I'm like this little kid. Just, and then I would slide down, <laughs> slide down the roof. And then once I'd get to the flat part, I'd get a running sprint and I'd jump off the roof. It was like 10 foot high. And no wonder my hips hurt sometimes when I play basketball. But one of these particular days, we were having so much fun jumping off the loft. Uh, there's an upper area where you can store uh, straw or hay, and you can jump off into hay. What fun. Today we have uh, the ball pits and foam pits, but we had straw to jump in as kids. And we were all flying off the end of this, and my parents weren't around. It was just kids having fun, and we were like high-fiving each other in the air while we're f- jumping off. We're doing Air Jordan, like, you know, pretending we're Air Jordan, dunking the ball. And I remember my sister jumped off, and then I jumped off, and all of a sudden I landed, and I heard a crunch. And I landed on her arm. It broke it and bent it literally like it was broke. It was really broke. And I remember my sister crying. And I was just, oh, I'm so sorry. I felt so bad. And the saying comes to fruition for real that it's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. Right? We, we can seek out happiness in the end. can lead to somebody really getting hurt. Thank God it wasn't something worse uh, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says, there's a way that appears, right to, uh, a, that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. So again, God doesn't want you happy when it causes you to do something wrong, unwise, or stupid. And there is a scripture I found in, in 1 Peter that says it really good. Uh, chapter uh, 1, verse 15, it says, but just as he who called you is happy, so be happy in all you do. Is Is that what it says? No, no, it says be holy. It says be holy. So just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. There's a priority that God puts of holiness over happiness. And some of us do some very unholy things in the pursuit of happiness and it trips us up. God delights in our happiness, but holiness is the priority. 
And I meet couples all the time. Being a pastor, I get to interact with couples who are struggling in the marriage, who have overcome obstacles, uh, couples who have called it quits. And when I meet couples who have divorced, I say, what happened? Many times, most of the time, I'll hear something like, well, pastor, we, we just weren't happy. She, she just wasn't happy. I was not happy. And it breaks my heart because I want to say, hey, your happiness isn't the priority in the marriage. When you went to the altar to say, I do, and sacrifice and say, I promise before God to be faithful, to stay with you, so sickness and health, till death do us part, that included in that times of unhappiness. And you will have seasons of unhappiness in your marriage. Just ask any married couple who's been together for 20 years, 30 years. And they'll test you that there has been some unhappy times, but they press through it. Now, here's the problem. If we believe that God wants us to be happy above all else, then when we are not happy, we can justify doing something that is wrong, believing that it's right. But we, we divorce because, you know, we weren't happy, and I know God wants us to be happy. Wait a minute, you're justifying doing something that is wrong. In the Bible, it says God hates divorce. Now, listen, I'm not here to heap guilt upon, there's a lot of people who've been through divorces. And that's not what I am here to do this morning. I'm not here to heap guilt on you and make you feel shame. That's not from God. What I am trying to do is there are couples in here this morning that are contemplating calling it quits. And I'm here to encourage you this morning. I'm here to help implant in you the idea that happiness is not the priority. That holiness is. Being obedient to God is. Fighting for something that you committed to long ago. Now, again, God doesn't want you happy when it is only based, or sorry, when it causes you to do something wrong, unwise, sinful, or stupid. How many can identify with the sinful or stupid part? <laughs> okay, um, that me, that I, I can, I've done some stupid things in my past in the pursuit of happiness, but God is a God who redeems. But here's the thing. Here's some examples of, of some maybe sinful, stupid, unwise, or wrong. Like, hey, when, we, when, we, when we're depressed, how many of you enjoy just going to the fridge and opening up a gallon of Dryer's ice cream and just eating the whole thing? I mean, just, oh, if that is happiness in, in a bowl or whatever you want to call it, in an in a ice cream case, right? When we, a big old chocolate cake with frosting. I mean, when we're depressed or sad, you can always turn to some chocolate cake, right? Come on now, that's happiness on a fork. Well, let's get real here for a second. Well, the job is so depressing. I can't stand it. I just want to quit. It's not, uh, oh, I'm getting so frustrated with the people there. My boss is terrible. And so we quit because we're not happy when we have Three kids under four years old who are relying on your income. And you make an unwise choice because you're not happy. 
Sometimes work's not meant to be fun, all right? Sometimes Saturday nights, or sorry, Saturday mornings, I am dreading the rest of the day because I've got to finish a sermon that is going to challenge you and grow you. And, you know, sometimes when there's drama, I just do not like my job. It's not happy, good feelings. But you've got to push through it because joy comes in the morning. The Bible says that you may go out to the, to the field weeping, but joy comes in the morning. Oh, well, Stephen, you don't understand. You don't know my wife. She's making me unhappy. She's not meeting my needs. So it's okay. I'm just going to go get some porn. I'm going to go online and I'm going to get my needs met somewhere else because she's not making me happy. We make a sinful decision that's unwise because we're pursuing happiness. I get couples who come to me and say, hey, Pastor Stephen, I met the woman of my dreams and someday we'll get married. We're not married yet, but we, we just love to make love and it makes us happy. We're happy. But wouldn't God understand that? Doesn't God want us to be happy? But the reality is we're making a wrong choice, an unwise choice. We're making a simple or stupid mistake. If we watch shows all the time or movies or reality shows that are just, they're just filth. I mean, you can just go to a TMZ and get all the gossip you want. You can go to a movie. I mean, you can go see Fifty Shades of Grey. They're like, oh, well, this is entertaining. It's thrilling. Okay, if you're going to go see Fifty Shades of Grey, I just want to challenge you on something. You need to imagine that I'm at that movie theater with you, sitting right next to you with a big bowl of popcorn, and I'm not watching the movie. I'm just staring at you the whole time, eating my popcorn. So if you want to go watch something like that, try to enjoy it with the image of me sitting right next to you, staring at you, eating popcorn. You're probably going to be like, uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I feel uncomfortable now. Um, so when we, we worship at the altar of happiness. We worship it as a culture. We worship this idol. And it's blasphemous. It's, 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 it is sickening to God when we place things in a priority over him. Because he knows what matters to us, we ought to put it in perspective. We ought to put the priority on holiness, seeking him putting him first, and as a result, as a residue, will receive happiness. I was watching last night, and this is so really interesting how God works, but uh, how many of you guys have Netflix? Okay, great, great, uh, great service if you want to save money and don't want to rent a bunch of stuff. Uh, I watched last night a, sh- a movie, just new released. You should probably watch it, it's good, except for just a, a few parts in it that I just don't agree with, but for the most part, it was just a great overview of someone who's really seeking to understand what happiness is called Hector and the Search for Happiness. It's entertaining, it's a British film, but it's really, really interesting. Um, And I I was just watching it, and as I was watching it, there was a couple of profound quotes that hit me between the eyes about happiness and people just pursuing it above all else before God. The first thing, it, it was one of the lessons that he learned this man who is searching for what happiness is. And one of the lessons is avoiding unhappiness 
is not the road to happiness. Let me repeat that. Avoiding unhappiness is not the road to happiness. So if you're trying to dull the pain with substance, if you're trying to just forget about all the kind of hurt in your heart through a relationship because you can just focus all your focus and energy on that significant other, right? Pursuing to bury unhappiness will not bring you happiness. Uh, Here's another one that really hit me, this quote. It was right at the end of the movie. It said, people shouldn't be concerned with the pursuit of happiness, but with the happiness of pursuit. People shouldn't be concerned with the pursuit of happiness, but with the happiness of pursuit. Here's what it means. When you pursue God, it'll bring you happiness as a byproduct. Not because you're pursuing it first. Happiness will pursue you. When you chase after God, when you're running, I'm like, God, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. He's not running, by the way. He's sitting there waiting for you. When you're running after, chasing after God, guess what's chasing after you? Happiness. It's going to chase you down. But when you're chasing happiness, it's running away. It's running away. It's like, where'd it go? No. Again, happiness is like a cloud. If you stare at it long enough, it evaporates. Don't make that the pursuit. Make God the pursuit. Because God doesn't want you happy when it causes you to do something wrong, unwise, sinful, or stupid. Secondly, God doesn't want you happy when it's only based on things of this world. I'm watching the late night television shopping channel. And I see these snuggle blankets. They're like... They have holes in them. Uh, you know, you need these things to be happy. You need to buy this to be happy. They, they got the miracle lotions and then the shake weight. Now, I'm not going to make any gestures on what the shake weight is. And it's just it's not seem appropriate type of workout item. Uh, and, but yeah, there's all kinds of really meaningless things that you need to buy in order to be happy. Uh, iPhones, you name it, iPhone cases, purses, you go down the list, uh, per, uh, kicks, socks, and the world has basically given us a formula, given us a formula on and what it teaches us and how we get happiness. And here's the formula. They say that if you have better possessions, more stuff, nice stuff, if you have peaceful circumstances, if you have thrilling experiences, the right relationships, plus the perfect appearance, that equals happiness. And I'm here to tell you that the world is running in circles like a dog chasing its tail in pursuit of happiness, yet not attaining it. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17 says very clearly, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, the world will pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. I see many believers that say, you know what, if I just had this, that I would be 
happy if I could just make this much more money then, then I would be happy. If I could just get rid of this debt, then I would be happy. If I could just get this degree or if I could just accomplish this benchmark or goal in my life, I could be happy. And all the while, while going after happiness, there's a wealthy man in this movie uh, that I mentioned to you, the Hector and the Search for Happiness, a really wealthy guy. And the main character asked him, are you, are you happy? And he's like, I don't have time to ask that question because I'm pursuing this lifestyle. So happiness, again, is like a cloud. If you stare at it long enough, it evaporates. God doesn't want you happy when it comes, when it causes you to do something wrong, unwise, sinful, or stupid, or when it's only based on the things of this world, and finally, God doesn't want you happy. He wants you blessed. He wants you blessed. Blessed. Blessed, the Greek for blessed in the Bible is pronounced makarios. I'm sure that makes you think of a certain song that makes you happy when you dance. Right? Hey, makarina. All right. Makareos, which means supremely blessed, more than happy. If you want to be more than happy, more than what the world can give you, then you need to seek after makareos. It doesn't mean you never get sick, you never lose a job, you never get a zip before prom, you're always, things always go your, goes your way, that God says yes to every prayer, or you get your dream house, or you get your miracle, that's not what that means. Because in this life, God allows us to go through pain, to go through loss, to go through storms, to be weak, to experience trials. Sometimes being a believer isn't rosy is it it isn't a life that if someone would look at it and say wow i want that because god's allowing you to go through so much hurt and pain but that's the reality of it but here's what i'm talking about when i talk about makareos meaning supremely blessed more than happy is that we don't have to do all this alone because god promises that he will comfort us in our pain. We don't have to walk through it alone. There's all kinds of scripture that talks about how Jesus will walk with us through our suffering. That he'll give us peace in the storm. The Bible talks about giving us a peace that surpasses our human ability to even wrap our minds around. Because we're going through so much and somebody will say to you, why are you at peace? I can't explain it to you because the Spirit of God has given it to me. So he gives us peace in the storm. He gives us strength in our weakness. Paul talks about, so I rejoice in my weakness because when I'm weak, he is strong. And we get joy in trials. Paul and Silas said, Count it pure joy, my brothers, when you experience all kinds of trials and suffering. 
So when you're in the pain, when you're going through a storm, when you're weak, when you're facing trials, God will comfort you in your pain. He'll give you peace in the storm. He'll strengthen you in your weakness. He'll give you joy in your trials. Psalms chapter 37, verse 4, the ESV version says, delight yourself in the Lord. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, delight yourself. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, the Hebrew word for delight means to make soft or palatable. So that when we delight, the kind of happiness that God, I'm talking about here, when we delight ourselves in the Lord, we allow him to shape us through those trials, through that pain, through that suffering. We allow him to shape us and be pliable into the thing that he wants to create, into the beautiful masterpiece he wants to create in you. That's what delighting in the Lord says. God, I am going through suffering right now, but I'm going to delight on you. Lord, I have no peace, but I, right now I want to tap into a peace that surpasses all human understanding. I'm weak right now. I can't even feel like I want to fight one more day at my job or fight one more day for my marriage or fight one more day over this depression. I want to call it quits, but I'm going to delight in you. The Bible talks about how King David encouraged himself in the Lord. He delighted in him. Nobody else was encouraging him. He encouraged himself in the Lord. That is the happiness that we can tap into. That other people on this earth will be like, whoa, that doesn't make any sense. Why are you happy? Why? You are delusional and crazy because you're going through the worst possible thing, but yet you still have joy. It's not the kind of happiness that the world offers. Now, I'll, let me just explain it to you this way. The difference between the happiness that God offers and the happiness that this world offers. It's kind of like, and Max Lucado, Lucado has this analogy in one of his books. I'm going to steal it and make it a little bit more spicy. Uh, it's an analogy of a fish, okay? If you take a fish out of the ocean, its natural habitat where it can breathe water through its gills and, and pull the oxygen out and it can hunt for food and eat algae or whatever and grow and thrive and hide in the reef, whatever it does, or hunt. When you take a fish out and put it on a big, beautiful, sunny beach of Hawaii, let's say McKenna Beach, put the fish out there, you think that, that fish is, you're going to make that fish happy? No. It wants to go home. That's why he's going to be flopping around like, take me home, take me home. All right? Well, let's say, okay, wait, wait. Let's say we give that fish some Ray-Ban polarized sunglasses. We give him a stack of cash. We give him a martini. And we give him a play fish. Like, whoa, those gills look good. All right, no, let's give him all that. You think that fish is gonna be happy? No, it's not gonna be happy. It'll never be happy on the beach because it wasn't designed for the beach. You are that fish. You are not designed for this to be your home. You are designed for an eternal home. And if we try to get all these things to make us happier on this earth, we're going to be as happy as a fish sitting on a beach. Max Lucado said this in a quote from one of his books. He says, you weren't made for earth. Moments of happiness and joy cannot compare to what's ahead. Lower your expectations of earth, not heaven. 
No new car, no new wife, new baby, new boat will give you the joy your heart craves. Like we said in our last series, Rooted, this is not your home. You're an illegal alien. You're trespassing in a world that you don't belong to. You're guests in somebody's house, passing through. 